Good morning. It's 9 o'clock. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. <clears throat> Commented to Ellie a couple of minutes ago that I only have two pages of notes this week instead of five, so we may be done by 9.15. Um, so if I am, just enjoy that time to talk to people. But you also know me, so it's probably not going to happen. Um, to get us, uh, before uh, we get started for today, uh, in your packets, you should have this booklet. This is your homework for next week. Um, renewing marital intim- intimacy. So if you're married, this is going to be helpful. If you're not, it's going to get you ready. So make sure you're preparing for that for next week. Pam and I will not be with you next week. Um, the grandbaby's sixth and fourth birthdays are next weekend. So we're going to be in Tennessee celebrating um, the grandbaby's birthdays. John Cheryl is going to be uh, leading that session, uh, which ought to be really good. Um, to, to kind of look forward um, to the week after that, since I won't be here next week to remind you, um, October 1st will be on Temptations and Addictions. So the book on Temptations looks like that will be the one that you'll need to read for the week after. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we can get started for today. Father, help us to see you in the hard things. Help us to know you and to trust you, especially when everything that's in us wants to be in control of the situation. Perfect our faith, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. The topic for this week is grace when things are hard. And and those of you that are on the um, email list got an email from Pam and I this week. And I had two people ask me this morning, did I change the topic of Sunday school because of that? And I want to encourage you that the Sunday school schedule has been set since May or June. And if you wanted to check with the elders on that, you're welcome to, because they have paper copies of it when I met with them. God knew what was needed for this week. And he forced Pam and I to live it this week. Um, so this is, this is good. Um, for us to be able to put into practice what I'm going to be teaching this week. So, um, what are what are some of our hard things? You know mine. You heard about it this week in email. Sickness is not unusual to grace. If you've been here any length of time, you know that many people at grace have dealt with some type of sickness. Loss. Family members passing away. Family members not living correctly. Um, People making life difficult for you. Uh, The hardness of life 
if you haven't experienced the hardness of life, you're probably pretty young. The challenge is not that we are, have I or haven't I experienced hardness. The challenge is how do you deal with that experience of hardness? That's the question. How does the world deal with the experience of hardness? Okay. Any anything that's going to dull the pain. Dull the pain. I say you got this. You got this. Um, some people stay away from the unhealthy ways to dull the pain and try to repay, replace the pain with other types of pain. And, and I'm only speaking this as somebody who doesn't work out. Um, there are people who have made a focus of their life to work out every minute of every day. One of our children that we talk to on a regular basis, um, he works out two, three hours a day. And in a way, uh, sometimes I think that's a way that he's trying to deal with the pain. He's tried the other things. He's tried people as that way to dull the pain because you know love's gonna be the opposite of pain right so let's use people to dull our pain he's tried that now he's into working out trying to dull that pain he's so tired when he's done that he crashes how many of these things have we tried the same thing so it comes down to this um, our hard things is not about what they are, it's about how we respond to them. So let's figure out what Scripture says about how we should respond to them. Because no amount of alcohol, drugs, exercise, um, sex, or anything else is going to make the problem go away. So we're going to spend most of our time in James chapter 1 today, so I need you to turn to James chapter 1. And we're going to work our way through James 1, verses 2 to 18. However, at certain points, I'm going to jump off and I'm going to have some of you read from other places. Um, So uh, let's read 2 to 18. And um, some of yours may read a little differently than mine, um, but I've tried to think about that when I was working through this to make sure I um, talk about that. So verse 2, consider it or count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance or endurance. And, And let perseverance have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, Doubting nothing, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to boast in his high position, and the rich man is to boast in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. 
so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to all those who love him. Let no one say when he is is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when the lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully matured, it brings forth death. Be not deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good thing and given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind, be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So my first question to you, going back to verse 2. What does considerate all joy mean? So before you answer that, let's define our terms. What is joy? Or maybe I should start with what isn't joy? It's not necessarily happiness. Not necessarily happiness. Which means it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. Joy is not a feeling. So, if joy is not a feeling, what must it be then? Trust. What? A conscious attitude. How about this? An action of the will. I don't feel happy about the negative test that I got this week. But I'm going to choose to have joy. Consider kind of helps us to understand that or count it all joy. Consider it all joy. Because a lot of times you have to consider things that are uncomfortable. trials are uncomfortable. So, if it's not a feeling, and it's uh, something that we have decided to do, where does the power to do that come from? Because on Tuesday morning, getting up from work on Tuesday, Monday I got the call from the doctor, you need to go to a surgeon, talk to a surgeon about getting the biopsy done. Says surgery, meeting with the surgeon was scheduled to Thursday. Tuesday morning, getting up and thinking about going through my day, having to constantly ruminate on this. Where does the joy come from? Where does the ability to consider it all joy come from? Say that again. Delighting in God himself. Delighting in God himself. I need somebody to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Thirteen. Uh, Twelve and thirteen. Please. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So where does the ability to consider it joy come from? God himself. Remember, going back to last week, there is nothing in you, in your own power, that you have the ability to, to become a child of God. It's his work in you that makes you his child. It's his work in you that keeps you his child. And it's his work through you that helps you to do the things that he's asked you to do. So, uh, I need somebody to turn to Second Timothy chapter 3. Sorry, I think I wrote down the wrong verse. trying to remember where the verse was that I was going to. The verse talks about um, that, that in the things that we do, there's a form of godliness, but we neglect God's power. Okay, The point is this. If you're somebody who keeps saying to yourself, I don't have the power to do this. I don't have the power. You're right. In and of yourself, you don't. But my, I have two questions for you in that moment. First question is this. Are you truly a believer? And if you are, if you're not, we need to talk about that. But if you are, and that's where my focus is here. If you are, and you're worried about not having the power to consider it all joy, my question to you is, why are you looking at yourself? Because Scripture's clear. The power to do whatever God has asked us to do comes from Him, not from ourselves. Why do we continue to look at ourselves when we're trying to solve a problem? Trying to get out of a difficulty. Trying to get through a trial. There's nothing that you can do that's going to fix this or mend this or, or, or help this. So quit looking at it through your own power. And as Philippians 2 says, look back to the one who completes the work in you. Second question, James chapter 1. What does this passage say about trials? You're going to have them. Say that again? You're going to have them. You're going to have them. Who's the you? Christians. Everybody. Everybody. Christians. True, but who's the, who's the passage talking to? He's saying my brothers. My brothers. So just because you got saved doesn't mean you're going to be free from trials. And it's not if you have them. What's the next word? When you encounter various struggles. So, first thing is, there's going to be trouble. What else does this passage tell us about our trials? Produces steadfastness. What? Produces steadfastness. Produces steadfastness. Produces endurance. Produces perseverance. Depending on which 
version of the Bible you're using? Test your faith. What? Tests your faith. Tests your faith. So if the purpose is to test your faith, to produce endurance, steadfastness, to, 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 to produce perseverance. <clears throat> What's God's role in our trials? Well, he's working on us. Okay. He, 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 going back to uh, Philippians 2, right? To work and to will for his good pleasure. Right? So he, he's making us more like Christ. Who walked the same path that we walked in the three, 33 years that he lived on this earth. The same types of troubles, the same types of difficulties the, to the point where his got him killed. What else does, is God's role in this? Look at uh, look at verse five and six. What's God's role? It's wisdom when you ask. He's a wisdom giver. Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but show me what you want to teach me through this. So, if that's God's perfect role in this. What's not God's role in this? Look at verses uh, 13, 14, and 15. Okay, I'm going to come back to this in two weeks when we go over temptation. But this is important that we get this. What's the difference between trial and temptation? So, before you answer that, I need two people to turn to two passages for me. These are, Pam will tell you, these are two of my favorite passages. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and Lamentations chapter 7. And if you haven't spent any time in these two books, you need to. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and Lamentations chapter 7. I need somebody to read Ecclesiastes 3, 31 to 34. <coughs> okay, I'm having a bad morning. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, just because you count it all joy doesn't mean your brain still functions the way you want it to. Having a very difficult time this morning. Say that again. Lamentations 3, 22 to 24, or 21 to 24. Read that, so. Starting with verse 21. But this I call to mind, and 
therefore I have hope. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now read 28 and 29. 29. Uh, let him sit alone in silence when it is laid, up, laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. There may yet be hope. Lamentation 7, 13. I think that one's going back. I know there's a Lamentation 7. Right? Hold on. Maybe I crossed them. Lamentation. Okay. Here. Lamentations 3. Alright. So let me back up and do... Let me read it instead because apparently... I have them underlined in my Bible, but uh, I don't have them written down correctly. So let me back up here. All right, so let's start with uh, Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The loving kindness of Yahweh indeed never ceases. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Verses 31 to 33. For the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion. According to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the sons of men. You've probably heard me quote that one before. But we tend to forget. Ecclesiastes 7 says in verse 13, See the work of God, for who is able to straighten what He has bent? In the day when there is good, be of good cheer. But in the day when there is evil, see, God has made one as well as the other. So, if God doesn't tempt, but He does put you in a trial, what's the difference between a temptation and a trial? Because Scripture is clear that God puts us in the middle of this stuff. Whether you pass or fail. What does James say? Temptation comes where? From your heart. From your heart? What verse? 14, what's it say? For each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. You're tempted when you're carried away by your own desire caused by your lust. So, is everything that you go through a trial? Is everything you go through a trial? Consider it joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Is every difficulty you go through a trial? (coughs) I have 
He gives us the good. He gives us the bad. Is everything you go through a trial? I guess your reaction is... Because it doesn't say God doesn't try us. It says He doesn't tempt us. But He allows us to go through various trials. He puts us in the difficulty. Is everything we go through a trial? Yes. Everything is a trial. But is everything a temptation? What did you say? It depends on what you pass or fail. How you respond to it determines whether it's a temptation or not. If you allow your attitude, your actions to be sinful regarding that trial, you have now made it a temptation. God didn't do that. Your heart did that. We have to be very, very careful to not blame God for the temptations that we have. But trust God when he allows these trials to come into our lives. Because what is his purpose? What's the purpose? Go back to James. We're in James. Dig it from James. Verse 2. What's the purpose of the trials that we go through? To produce perseverance, which is the testing of our faith. And our faith is intended to be... Let perseverance... Verse 4. Let perseverance have its... Perfect work. Perfect not meaning flawless. Perfect meaning finished. Complete. His completed work is the completion of your faith. And he can only do that through the trials that you experience. If you want out of your trials, you're asking him not to finish your faith. If you're wanting out of your trials, you're asking God not to finish your faith. So what's your role? According to James, what's your role in your trials? Say it again. Ask for wisdom. Say that again. Trust and hope in God. Remaining steadfast. Single-minded. Does it change the trial? Does the trial go away because your faith is in God instead of in yourself? No. It may get worse. What were you going to say? It's it's easy for me to say it when you're not in the middle of it. But your perception of the trial could go softer. I mean, if you, you, again, this is kind of choose to focus on the trial or do you choose to focus on him but then but then I go back and go yeah but <laughs> you don't just to get to skip through skip through and act like oh it'll just you, know, you still got to take care of whatever it's whatever it is whether it's health or relationship or financial business or financial or whatever it is but what's the po- what this is exactly right what's the point though for human beings, what's the point? The point is focus on the 
focus on him, not your specific tribe. It's not one and done. You're not going to do this once and it's all going to be roses after that. Tomorrow morning you're going to have to wake up and make the same choice to consider it joy. And this afternoon when nobody else is around and it starts to flood into your brain, you have to consider it joy. And tomorrow morning when you get up to go to work, you have to consider it joy. It's part of the process that God is using to finish your faith. It's not a one and done. It doesn't just happen on the bad days. It's, it's got to happen on the good days. If it doesn't happen on the good days, then when the bad days come... Or it's a whole lot happen. harder to do it on the yeah. bad days. Yeah. Thanks practice. So, um, I got a whole list of verses that, that go with this, but when you feel overwhelmed by trials and are tempted to doubt God's goodness, remember His good gifts. Because only like, like in the Old Testament, when Israel was asked to remember something, they, they built a remembrance in the Old Testament. Well, we don't have to build anything for that. We just have to look back at what God's built in us. Each time that He has walked through with us. And it breaks my heart to see people at grace who are not invested in the body. Because Pam and I have seen God's work through this body for the last 10 years. My car accident, her car accident, and now this and the outpouring of love and compassion and care of God's people. That's the goodness that we can look back on. God is working in the lives of this family and this family this family and I know that because of the way they care for us I was thinking a while ago you're not going to necessarily see things as they in the present you're going to have to have some time then you're going to look back and see how how God has worked and, and how things have yeah worked yeah, work for good and, and how things have you know, made you stronger and you, then you and then the other things come up and you look back and you say, well, God brought me through that. You can have the confidence that you're going to be okay with the other. That's a great gift that we can, we can look back. But the advantage of faith being perfected is that we can look forward. Because all of our trials that we go through this whole life for Christian is a prep work for what's to come in the future. Beautiful thing. I, I kind of look at it in the woodworking analysis. Some of us are naughtier than others. I'm naughtier than most. <laughs> and it usually takes a pretty rough paper and, and cutting equipment for God to uh, mold me and shape me. He has a purpose. He, he started something in my life he started something in your life. And by his word, which can never change, he's going to finish it. Scott and Jimmy used to teach a Sunday school class that a few of us were able to be in back in the day at a different church. And they used to always draw this line on the board. You remember that, Gary? 
I do. And it was like, where's your dot? You know, the line is your life, right? Or the arrow is your life. Where's your dot? You know, the further down that line you go is exactly what you're talking about there. The trials have caused you to learn as you go and react. Where do you fall? And hopefully when those difficult times come, you're down this far on the line. Not at the end of your life, but down this far in your growing of faith and ability to it's easy to say focus on him, not on the trial. But uh, yeah. That's why it's an act of the will, right? Exactly. Something we have to do again and do again and do again and do again. And know that this time I can remember that God is still working to perfect me. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. That, that loss of focus on the problem and focus on Him doesn't change the problem, it changes us. Yeah. yeah. Um, did anybody, I had asked you to find another passage that encourages the same wisdom taught in James chapter 1. Anybody find the one passage in Scripture that goes back to this exact same thing? And I'm setting you up because uh, we studied it last Sunday school rotation. It's not the one I was digging for. What did you find? Well, that's, that one about says I went for one. Let's see. Uh, there, for our momentary light distress is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. So we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are unseen. The things which are visible are temporal, but the things which are invisible are everlasting. That was last week's verse, wasn't it? And it goes right along with what um, Scott and Larry were just talking about. Um, the one that I found was First Peter. You know I was going back to First Peter, right? First Peter 1.6 In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter and James writing from the same, the same heart regarding our trials. Um, let me pray for us and then we'll be done for today. Father, thank you for the reminder that we need to not focus on our trials but focus on the one who is trying to perfect us in those trials. Who's trying to grow us. Who's trying to, to, to bring our faith to completion through the difficulties that we're facing. Father, thank you for the body and the way you use the body to, to, to care about and to love uh, on those that are facing trials. Father, if, if we're not facing trials right now, Lord, help us to be the person that's caring for those that are facing trials. Help us to care about your body because your body is you. We are all members of your body, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.